Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Tonight, let's step into the word for tonight. Each Wednesday evening, I'm going to strengthen the things concerning healing and different aspects. There are so many facets. You know, when you polish a diamond, if you're handed a diamond and you polish a diamond, you, 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 you correctly polish it, you know, uh, and, and smooth it one facet at a time. Okay? So one of the hardest things I'm doing with these preachers this month is getting them to stick to one facet because <laughs> everybody wants to preach the whole diamond. But I tell them, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're touching all the facets so that when we get finished with this month, you should have a multifaceted approach uh, and view of all the things and all the remedies, at least many of the remedies that God has in his word for the things that attack our bodies, our minds, our spirits, so that we can rightly deal with them from a, from a position of power and from a position of God's word and have something to stand on, okay? Well, tonight we're going to talk about the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Uh, Pastor Kenneth Bent and I were talking today and we kind of... Uh, it wasn't a joke, but we kind of chuckled when we talked about our long-standing common commitment here at Church on the Rock. We have had a long-standing commitment to, to tell you the truth from the pulpit, <laughs> you know, to just tell you the truth. Now, uh, uh, you know, the truth as we see it, as we've studied it, as we believed it, to make sure that we have a correct uh, interpretation of the Word of God so that we are not building you up as the Apostle Paul, as I paraphrase him, that I'm not building you up with some false hope. I'm not somehow, you know, uh, creating some hype or giving you something that won't work. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, um, we, we have never, we talked about today, we, we have never been focused on church growth. It's not that we don't care about it, but church growth has always been a byproduct of what we do. It has not been our goal. And uh, in fact, I, you know, I've been asked, I've, I've been asked to teach on church growth when I get to uh, Russia here in, I, I think, about 60 days or so. I'm going to Russia to do a pastor's conference. And they've asked me, the, I got a you know, uh, text again this morning asking me for the church growth. And, you know, I don't know how to, I, I don't know anything about church growth. I don't know. I do know how to preach the Word of God, and I do know how to tell people the truth, and I do know what God said to me in 1980, that if I would preach the Word, that, 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 that he, he wanted me to preach the Word, if I would preach the Word, He would build the church, leave the church building up to Him. So I've left the church building to God. I have just stuck with the Word. We have not followed fancies. We don't go, uh, you know, uh, chasing down uh, what, whatever the social agenda is or public opinion or, or current, you know, excitements. We just, I mean, we get pretty excited, but we, you know, we don't, um, we, we don't try to excite. We try to teach and ground and, 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 and preach the word uh, and, you know, and, and not just champion you know, current social agendas or, or popular opinion at the expense of the word of God. The word works. It just works. Okay? And so in light of our church's commitment to teach the Bible uh, and, and, and to teach the truth and, and, and to tell you the truth, uh, I often get really close to stepping on some doctrines 
that I believe in, but I may not believe they're the only thing. There are some other facets to that diamond. Does that make sense? I do not want to downgrade or downplay one thing that is an avenue of God to affect his will in the earth. I want to bring all the other things up even with those. I, I, I don't know how to, how to rightly explain that, but please don't misunderstand me tonight. Do your best to understand me because uh, we want to, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a plethora of scriptures, a surplus, a, 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 you know, a, 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 you know, I'm going to give you plenty of scripture references this evening so that you'll have a broad platform on which to base your faith. And we're going to talk about the name of the Lord and, and the power in that name and uh, why we were given that name and what it does. And so let's just establish the name of the Lord. Uh, that phrase, the name of the Lord, is mentioned 108 times in the Bible, the name of the Lord. And then it's mentioned in other variations of that phrase, meaning the very same thing, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. It's a very important concept and a very powerful tool that God has given us. And uh, Proverbs 18 and verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. I love feeling safe. I feel safe about my eternity. I'm safe. You know, I like that my children are safe. I like, you know, uh, you know I always wanted to teach them how to swim. You know, when they were still, you know, a, a, a little bitty babies, I'd take them out and put them in the water. And I, I'd even hold them under the water and let them pop up, you know. Uh, uh, teaching them how to swim because it was important. All of my grandchildren, so important to teach them how to swim because I wanted to feel safe. If they happen to get near the water, uh, you know, the same thing, you know, a little more important, making sure they're going to heaven, <laughs> making sure that, I mean, I, I don't want to leave that up to chance, you know, uh, and the name of the Lord is that strong tower in this life and in the life to come that those who are right with God run into. And that's where I find my safety. That's where I find my security. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 5 uh, uh, tells us, starts telling us about the name of the Lord. And, and uh, God chose people to, to work in his name. Uh, 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 for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes. Talking about uh, the, the tribe of Levi. Talking about Levi specifically. And those who are in the priesthood. Old Testament priesthood. You know, uh, 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 for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. You see, we are called to minister. He, they, Levi, was called to minister in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Not only is the name of the Lord a strong tower, but, but God chooses people evidently with this pattern from the word, which we see over and over and over and over and over again. God at times chooses people to minister for him in his stead, in his place, on his behalf. And when God chooses you to do something for him, he chooses you to do it in his name. Okay? So the things we do for God, providing, you know, that God has chosen us under this uh, understanding, then we are doing that. Tonight, 
I, I believe I am chosen to minister, but I'm chosen to minister. Uh, he, he's chosen me to minister in his name, on his behalf, to tell you something for him, to do something for him. God chooses people to do things for him, always has, always will. As well, at times, people choose themselves, they choose to attempt to do something for God. And they use his name because he's given us his name. His name, you know, is like a superpower. It's my spiritual superpower at times. Yeah, it is. It's a superpower. We find that that's what David did in, 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 in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, when he was going up against Goliath. Uh, you know, uh, uh, then David said to the Philistine, you come uh, to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I'm telling you what my superpower is. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of the host. I'm coming to you on God's behalf. I'm coming to you in his stead. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Uh, you, you know, bring your sword on. I'm coming to you with my superpower, which your sword has no, your javelin, your spirit, it has no power over my superpower. I cancel you out. <laughs> name of Jesus. Well, I guess I better do. Name of Jesus. <laughs> in the Old Testament... <laughs> Some people were used by God to do things, and other people did things using God as their strength. But also, there were people that simply called upon his name with a request and ended that request by making it in his name. I'm asking you to do something, you know. And, and they called on the name of God to heed their righteous request. 1 Kings 18, verse 24. Then you call on the name of your gods, Elijah said, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will make a request. You make a request from your God, and I will make a request from my God in the name of my God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, hey, that seems like a good idea. You know? And that's what Elijah did. He called on the name of the Lord so that everyone would know who it was that was answering and God answered by fire James chapter 5 says that we should consider Elijah because Elijah was a man subject to the same passions as we are. Now James, the half-brother of Jesus and the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, this James wrote a letter to all who would listen, to everyone. And as he's writing this letter, you know, he's got a pretty good standing having been raised in the house with Jesus and then coming to the knowledge of him as Savior and Lord after his resurrection and here becoming pastor of the church, he is a fairly good person place on which he can stand to admonish all the other believers what they should do and he told them listen whenever it comes to the point of prayer you need to realize that Elijah was a man subject to the same human passions as you are but yet he prayed earnestly and God answered his prayer and he prayed again and God answered him again why we see from this passage in Kings, he was calling on the name of the Lord. He was identifying the God of heaven and asking him to answer this prayer. Whatever the reason, 
whether it's God chooses you or you choose to use his name, you know, as, 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 as a superpower, as long as you're in right standing with him, or if you're just requesting something from him, suffice it to say that trusting in the name of the Lord is better than trusting in other sources, resources, or assets. That's what the psalmist said in Psalms 20 and verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Remembering how the children of Israel crossed the, the, the Red Sea coming out of, 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 of Egypt and, and headed toward the promised land. They did it. Horses and chariots chased them. But, you know, they believed in the name of the Lord their God. And they won the victory, as did David in so many places. When we get to the New Testament, we see Jesus. This name of Jesus is a name above every name. It's filled with power. Jesus is God in the flesh. He became like us so that he could show us what God would do if God was a man. And we find in Philippians, the second chapter in verse 9, therefore... God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those things in heaven, of those in earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, you know, uh, they should and they will. And all things are under the feet of Jesus. Howbeit, right now we don't see all things under his feet, but we still see him. And we need to look to him. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament give us, you know, a prophetic promise. We see the fulfillment of that promise, that promise which Joel prophesied to the children of Israel and indeed to the world in Joel, the second chapter. Uh, we see the fulfillment of that promise on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts, the second chapter, in verse 21, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what Peter was saying, confirming that this is happening today. We are in the day that, that Joel prophesied. We just entered into a new generation, the generation of Jesus Christ. And, and, and it has begun the day that Joel prophesied about, that God would pour his spirit out upon all flesh, and, and sons and daughters would prophesy, and, and young men visions, and old men dreams, and, and, and upon handmaidens and men servants, I'll pour my spirit in that day, and they shall prophesy, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Lord, yeah, the name of the Lord, that must be a powerful thing. Yeah, the name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower. The endless, ageless psalmist says that the righteous run into it. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be safe and made whole and complete. Wow, what a, what a concept, what a picture the Holy Spirit is giving through Peter that still resounds and, and, and reverberates to us today. This reality, this truth today. 3,000 people were saved on that day, you know. Why? Because they called on the name of the Lord. Every believer in Christ is admonished to hold great respect for the name of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the church in James chapter 5 again, verse 14, is any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
You know, we're doing it on his behalf, in his stead, in his place, for him, ministering in the name of the Lord, anointing with oil, and then praying in the name of the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, you know, uh, 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 and, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, the disciples didn't just, didn't just teach this. The apostles didn't just write these things and didn't just teach these things. The apostles lived these things. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was uh, uh, carried, whom they carried, uh, whom they laid rather, daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive some money, something from them. And verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold, I, I, you know, I, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. Well, what did Peter have of any value? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, you know, uh, the name meant more to Peter than it did to the man. So Peter, you know, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, now uh, you know, they knew this guy. They knew that he was the beggar that had been sitting there for all these years. Okay? And, and, and they, 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 you know... This lame man wouldn't let Peter and John go. And so, uh, verse 12, so when Peter saw that everybody was, you know, gathering around, they didn't understand that, oh my goodness, what's going on, you know, because they were all filled with wonder and amazement, verse 10 would say. Uh, so uh, Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you so intently, you know, uh, uh, why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk, you know? And he goes on and begins to preach them a little bit. In verse 16, he says, and his name, it was his name, it was Je the man you crucified, Jesus Christ, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You see, Peter said, in the name of Jesus. And then he testifies to the people. It was his name. It was, it was us doing it for God, on God's behalf. Not for any of our own you know, personal reasons not to make us look big, bit better, not, not, not to make people think we're somebody, not, not to grow the church, not to, no other reason other than the fact that God wants this done and we did it for him. We did it. We did what he would do if he was here. We did it on his behalf, in his name. Psalms 124.8 says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our name, I mean, our, our help is in the name of the Lord. I don't know why God did it this way, but I, I could build you an argument of probably, you know, I, I, I don't know how many scriptures that I could build you an argument 
to tell you over and over and over and over and over. It was the name through faith in his name. It's the name of the Lord that's a mighty tower. It's, it, it's whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is power in the name. There is power in that name. The elder apostle John was the last living apostle of the Lamb. And very late in John's life, he wanted everyone to know what he had heard Jesus say personally with his own ears. He's, 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 he's not long to live on this earth, but he's wanting people to know what Jesus, what, what I heard Jesus say personally. I personally heard Jesus say this. So he recorded the words in his gospel. And this is what John said, Jesus said. John 14, verse 13. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and receive. You will receive that your joy may be full. You see, John encouraged us to have confidence in our approach to God. Especially when we approach him with something that we know is his will. In 1 John 5, verse 14, now this is the confidence, John continues, that we have in Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Oh, you know, you will find some conditions. You will find all throughout the word of God that God is good and wants to help you. And he hears your prayer and he loves you. But that does not make him some spiritual Santa Claus or some slave to your prayer. We cannot turn God into a vending machine or into a formula. We have to know the whole counsel of God's word and not just be a favorite word person. We can't just, just you know, only be the promise person. We need to be the whole counsel of God so that we really know the truth. You know, many people say this, they quote this, you know, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, you know, that's not the truth. Oh, I know it's written in the Bible, but you need to read what it says right before that because it's conditional. You can know the truth and still be bound. What sets you free? He said this. If you continue, John 8, 31. Don't just read verse 32. Read 31. Because every conversation starts somewhere. And if you leave out the part of that conversation, you will leave out some critical things that you need to know. Because a part of the conversation doesn't work. And we're more interested in getting you something that will work than we are in tickling your fancy. Or giving you something to quote that sounds easy. John 8.31 says, If, oh my goodness, it says if. Yeah, being set free is, is, is predicated on the word if. If you continue in my word... 
you will be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Predicated upon being a disciple of Christ who's living according to his word. Ooh. Okay. God's not a piece of candy. And he is not obligating himself to fix my problems if I'm walking outside of his will. Or if I'm asking him for something that he doesn't want to do. That his plan is bigger than my plan. Now, this is the confidence, John 5, 14 says, that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, because we have asked according to his will, uh, whatever we ask according to his will, we know that we have the petitions that, we just, that we've asked of him. Why? Because we have asked him to do something he already has decided he wants done. He's needing a partner in the earth to accomplish his will. Now, that doesn't take anything away from the fact that God loves you and cares about you. He loves you and cares about you so much, he wants you to do it right. You know, we should ask, as James said, we should ask according to God's will. We should subject ourselves to God's decision and, 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 and keep trusting God. You know, uh, James says this in James 4, verse 2. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet, cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you're asking amiss. Oh, that is just not something I won't pull out of my promise box. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. You're just asking for something you want. God doesn't want it, you want it. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't want to help you and give you some things you want. But it means that God may not want everything you want when you want it. Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes, but I want to tell you the truth. Not everything. You, you don't see all the way down the road. That doesn't rob us of faith. It should increase our faith to trust God. That's what faith is, trusting God. Faith is not manipulating God. Faith is trusting God. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You may consume it in your nose. Uh, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You know, James is pretty plain. You know, uh, we could go on and on and on. Uh, but uh, let me cut to the chase for the sake of time. We definitely know that there, are, there, there is an overriding will of God. And we have complete confidence in the unchanging, immovable absolutes of God. But let me give you some absolutes because not everything is absolute. Not every promise of God is going to happen when you want it, the way you want it. It's going to happen the way God meant it, when he wants it, the way he wants it. Okay. So there are some immovable, unchanging absolutes, by the way, which include salvation. What is salvation? Well, salvation happens every time with every person that calls upon the name of the Lord in sincerity to save their soul. It happens every, it happens immediately, every time, with every person, immediately. Thank God for that. Amen? 
Woo, glory to God. Okay, I'm salvation. Bang, man, I am, I am, you know, boom. I don't have to, you know, even believe for, for, for somebody to get saved if they're sincere and call upon the name of the Lord and, and you know, and, and ask him to forgive their sins and come to their heart and their life. I mean, boom, they're saved. Forgiveness. God will forgive every person every time they approach him and ask for forgiveness out of the sincerity of their heart. Now, he doesn't have to forgive you if you're just saying, excuse me. Hello, there is a difference, and it's in your heart. Righteousness, godliness, holiness, you know. This an absolute. Everyone should choose righteousness, holiness, and godliness every time. Everyone should choose it every time. It's an absolute. If you want to know what to do, do what's right. If you ever have a question about what doing, do what's godly. If you ever have a question about doing something, do what is holy. If you ever have a question, don't do it if it's not holy. Don't do it if it's not right. Don't do it if it's not godly. That's, boom, settled. Every time. Boom, 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 boom. You don't have to worry about it. That's an absolute. The fruits of the Spirit should be absolute. We should love. We should have joy. We should have peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. We should have that absolutely every time. That is the will of God for my life. The will of God for my life is that I love, that I forgive. That's the will of God for my life. I don't have to worry about it, wonder about it. And I can have a faith and I can declare it and it, boom, bang, and you know, it's just the will of God. But many things, some things are absolutes, but there are some things, many things that are negotiable. Some things are fluid, they're not fixed. Okay? Some things, even though we imagine they should happen immediately and every time they just don't <laughs> prosperity I believe in prosperity I pray for more money but I you know I know that somebody gets saved if they will just do this boom but I there's no formula for me to get you know, I mean, I give and it's given back to me. Good measure, pressure, and shaking, it running over. But, you know, and, 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 and I believe in God, you know, giving me more. But right now, if I were to pull out $10,000 out of my pocket and put it in the offering plate and it goes off, I can't guarantee anybody tomorrow that you're going to get, you know, uh, you know, you know $100,000. It's hard for me to preach that. Because God needs to speak to you about that. If it's a rhema word from you, go for it. Praise, and I pray God gives you a rhema word. Glory to God, do it. But I can't, I can't manipulate that. There's there, there, there some things I, that I can't make happen. Now, salvation will happen every time. Forgiveness will happen every time. You know, I should be right and righteous, and you should do what's right. And I can tell you, every time you come to prayer, I can always tell you to do what's right in the eyes of God, always. I can always tell you to love. I can always tell you to give. I can always tell you to, you know, to be at peace. I, can, I mean, I mean that, that, that's, those, those things are settled, you know. And I will pray for you. My best according to the knowledge I have of God's word, but there are some things I just don't know, and you don't know, you may not know. I don't know. You know, uh, sometimes we cannot know for certain what the will of God is. You know, do I buy a house or do I rent? Uh, do I choose fish or chicken today? Mary Harry, Mary Sam, do I invest in Pepsi or Coca Cola, God? Which is the will of God? Is there only one university in all the world that everyone should go to? Uh, yes, Luke would say yes. See, some things are not absolute. Some things are more fluid. 
Some things you need to, to, to either hear from God and then you have that faith by which you call upon. Or you petition God or you get counsel and the best you can do and to make sure it doesn't violate the word of God. And then you call upon the name of the Lord with all the faith you have that God is going to do what's best for you, for you in your life. And you trust God, even when it doesn't work out or doesn't happen immediately. You still trust God, just like Jesus did when Jesus went in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Now, God, I'll paraphrase, I don't really want to do this. I've had plenty of opportunities to lay my life down, and here comes another one. And I hadn't wanted any of the rest of them, and I really don't want this. And if there's any way, Lord, that you can take this cup from me, now would be a good time to let me know. Do I need to walk on water, fly out of here, call ten? thousand angels what do I need to do I want to do your will not my will but your will the same thing that John said the same thing that James said is the same thing Jesus said I'm asking the father he showed us how to do this Lord I petition you God but not my will your will be done satisfy me with your will The name of the Lord is powerful. If you are saved, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, if you are in him, you can use his name. Use it as your superpower. 